Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey, hey, you are listening to episode number 82 of the Familypreneur podcast. Over the past 15 years, today's guest has helped thousands of business leaders and their teams create more success from Fortune 500 companies to startups. He, along with his wife, Ariana, founded a coaching and training company that helps entrepreneurs build their businesses to create more impact with their customers and more freedom in their lives. Together, they share their philosophies and guidance for entrepreneurs through speaking, coaching, on their Lifestyle Builders podcast, and their upcoming book, Lifestyle Builders, Build Your Own Business, Quit Your Job, and Create Your Ideal Life. Today, I'm excited to welcome the co-founder of Lifestyle Builders, Tom Sylvester. Hey, Tom, I'm so excited that you're here. Absolutely. I I love family entrepreneurs, so I can't wait to dive into this. (laughs) Well, we met a couple months ago at Social Media Marketing World. And I was excited because you're in the same kind of sphere with family entrepreneurship and you're in Rochester, New York, which is what I call home. (laughs) I know. When I found that out, I was like, wow, small world. Right. You're probably much colder than I am right now, though. I absolutely am. (laughs) Hence the sweater. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a brisk 80 degrees here in Phoenix. All right. Time to move on. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that right now you have three businesses right? And two kids. Can you start by laying out that timeline a little bit? Which came first and how do they all play in together? Absolutely. So uh, long story short, my wife and I met the very first day of college. And as we went through college and we were ready to graduate, I looked ahead and I had a computer science degree. She had a zoology degree and neither of us could find jobs. And so I looked ahead and I'm like, you know, I don't want to sit in a cubicle for the next 45 years when I do find a job and Ariana can't find a job in the area we live. So either we've got to move or we've got to kind of shift directions. So at that point, I set a goal and I said, you know, I want both of us to be retired by 35. I don't know how that's going to happen, but it's long enough to figure it out, but not too long that we don't kind of waste our life away. And so when I told Ariana that, she's like, yeah, just another one of your crazy ideas. You'll forget about it next week. And, uh, you know, the good and the bad was I didn't forget about it. And so I set out to basically figure out how to make that happen. And through a lot of failures and a lot of missteps early on, I ultimately got involved in real estate investing. And so she wasn't on board at that point, but I started that business. We kept building it. And then I recommended that we open another business, which was a retail wine and liquor store. She still wasn't on board, but she was getting a little bit more on board. And then finally, when we had that business, she was able to leave her job when we had our first daughter. And so at that point, it was kind of like, oh, now I kind of see how this is all working. 
And so at that point, I was doing um, traveling business consulting. So I was leaving four or five days a week to work with these Fortune 500 companies and their leadership teams. And I loved the work I was doing, helping them build their teams, do business strategy, all that stuff. But we were now having our second child. I was away four or five days a week. We had two businesses. It just wasn't working. So we basically went back to our life plan and said, you know, is this what we want things to look like? And the answer was clearly no. So at the same time, we had a lot of businesses reaching out to us saying, you know, you guys have multiple businesses, two kids. Can you help us kind of figure out how to manage everything? So we saw the opportunity and we said, well, let me leave my corporate job. I can actually stay home and let's start a third business of then taking all the skills we have and helping entrepreneurs not only grow their businesses, but doing that in support of their life and their family, which is why most of us are doing this anyways. Exactly. Well, and I love how aligned you guys seem in your business. We talked about that a little bit before the interview where it just all seems so effortless. Can you shed some light onto how you stay aligned? And is that really how it is in your house? Is it effortless? (laughs) (laughs) It is far from effortless. Um, It is much more effortless nowadays than it was before. Uh, Part of what I kind of skipped over in our story initially was every time, like when I set that goal to retire, I started looking at all these different business ideas. So at first I'm like, uh, what do like wealthy people do? Well, they invest in the stock market. So let me go do that. And then I figured out, you know, one, we're broke college students. We just graduated. We had no money and we had a bunch of debt. And so one, we didn't have money to invest in the stock market. And two, it's very difficult to figure out. So I tried a bunch of different business ideas and then I finally found real estate. And my initial goal was, hey, we're renting an apartment. What if we just bought a duplex? We'll live in one half, we'll rent the other one out. And then not only will we not have a monthly rent payment, but we'll be able to start building this real estate portfolio. And she was totally against that. So naturally, the next thing I did was I went out and spent about $7,500 on this real estate investing training, basically figuring that, oh, I'll figure out how to make this work and then she'll be on board. Did all of that on um, two different high interest credit cards because we didn't even have one that had that much money. And I did that without telling her. So talk about not being aligned. At that point, that was not a good move. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what that forced us to do was to really sit down. Oh, and by the way, that was about nine months before we got married. But she still (laughs) went through with it. So... She did. So everything must have worked out. But um, what that really forced us to do was to sit down and say, all right, clearly there's more to this than I realized. So let's start to get aligned on what we want our lives to look like. So we started talking about what the future looked like, you know, how many kids we wanted, where we wanted to live, just what we want our lives to look like. And that started us on this path of setting goals and then setting micro goals to move towards that. And the more and more we refined this over time, the more we figured out where we wanted to go and what we want our lives to look like, as well as then what role each of us played to contribute towards that. So there were times where I would focus more on the businesses and she would take care of more of the household. And then eventually as she came into the businesses, we then had to figure out like, where are your skills? Where are my skills? And how do we play in each of those so that we leverage our strengths and support each other to get to where we want to be? So were there ever any power struggles where you both wanted to do the same thing? I don't think necessarily power struggles. I think what ended up happening was we would both have activities we like to do. And then there was a whole bunch that neither of us liked to do. And unfortunately, a lot of those fell onto Ariana. 
And then I was really good at getting stuff off of my plate, but I never helped her then get the stuff off of her plate. So where a lot of the struggles came in was when we had tasks that neither of us wanted to do, yet we were still doing them. And then we would start to get some frustration towards each other. And, um, you know, that would cause some internal conflicts there. So what needed to, did Ariana just need to get better at delegating and outsourcing or what was the solution to that? Yeah. So one of the big things we did was we both took personality tests. And once we took these, it was kind of funny because we compared our results and they were literally a complete opposite. So when we figured out when we were having all these conflicts, we figured out that it wasn't because the other person was trying to like tear us down or anything like that. It was just our natural personalities. So that allowed us to shift what roles we played. And then I would take some of those activities back. Um, but then it also ultimately allowed us to say, what things should neither of us be doing that we've got to delegate to somebody else? And so that's where with each of our businesses, we built up teams and we figured out who can take over the stuff that we don't enjoy doing or shouldn't be doing to then allow us to focus on our zone of genius, do the things we like to do and not spend nearly as much time doing it. So how involved are you now in each of those three businesses? Yep. So the first two businesses, um, we don't spend very much time at all, probably like four hours a month because basically we built them up to where they have teams, they have systems and processes in place. And then what we're doing is basically, um, overseeing the business. So we're setting the goals, we're looking at the financials and then we're touching base with our team, but we've got people in place to help run those. Um, with our third business, that's where we spend most of our time, which is coaching entrepreneurs, uh, part of because it's a newer business and part of because we just love doing it. Like that's, you know, people always ask, like, if you won the lottery and, you know, could do anything, what would you be doing? And it would be this business. I love that. Now, how long did it take those first two businesses to get to a point where they were running automatically without you with, or with minimal input from you? Yep. Um, both of them, a couple of years. Uh, the real estate business, I, we, when we started, we did everything ourselves. So we renovated the properties, we screened the tenants. And then basically what we did was every time we got a property, we started doing less. So over the course of a couple of years and various properties, we got to the point where we had our roles and we weren't doing too much with that. Um, with the wine and liquor store, when we opened it, we were doing everything. But at that time, I was still working a full-time job. So we knew we had to design it in a way where it could run without us being there. So we ended up hiring a staff into there, which that got us um, removed from it within the first couple of months. But then it took time to really get all the systems down to hire the right team members to then take over stuff like ordering and schedule management and all of that. Uh, but now we're at a point where we only physically visit the store once every 90 days. We have a weekly call with our key employees. And outside of that, we're really not spending much time at all. That's awesome. I like that it that you mentioned that it took a couple years. I think a lot of times people have false expectations of success right out the gate. And it's a building process. And you actually help people with that process, right? That's part of what Lifestyle Builders does. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the biggest challenges we see a lot of people do is even if we give them kind of a guided path, most of us want to get there faster. So we look for shortcuts, but ultimately those shortcuts make most people take a lot longer. So, you know, one of the biggest things that people can do is have some patience, you know, and focus on the right things for the right level of business. So for example, when you're just starting a business, your most important goal is to prove that people want what you're offering. 
So in order to do that, you've got to figure out who is it that I'm helping, what problems or challenges are they facing, what is the right solution, and you've got to put all those pieces together. What most people want to do is they want to go build a website or they want to go do all this other stuff that doesn't directly help them solve that problem. So when you can really figure out what stage of business you're at and then what you should and shouldn't be focused on at that stage, it helps you progress so much faster. And I feel like I'm living proof of that. Like once I decided to start a business, I spent the most time, like what would I call it? What would I name it? And you're like, you spend all this time thinking about what you're going to name it when you haven't even validated it yet. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If, if people are listening and they're like, that's me, trust me, we all do it. You know, I remember the first time we started our real estate business, I spent like weeks trying to come up with a name. And at that point, I was actually sitting down in like the, the county clerk's office, like trying to come up with a name. And they'd be like, no, that's taken. And I try to come up with another one. It was like the worst waste of time in the world. But um, I think we like early on, we don't feel confident in the business. So we're like, well, if we get a name and we get a logo and we get a website and we do all this stuff, we're like, that'll make us feel validated. But ultimately validation comes from you being super clear on who it is you want to help with your business and then them agreeing to pay you money. Because once like everyone can tell you that a business is a good idea, but it's not until somebody says, yes, that is important enough to me that I'm going to give you money for it, that you're ultimately saying, okay, there's something that I could build off of from here. And I think getting more than one person who's willing to give you money, I, I feel like there's got to be a number. And for me, I, I'm always a, a three person where it's like the first time somebody gives you money for something, it could be a fluke. The second time could also be a fluke. But, but that third time is like, now now it's a pattern. You've got three people who have given you money for that service. Yeah. And the way we look at it is it's, it's like incremental validation. So the very first person, that is the hardest person to sell because in order to make that work, you've got to know who that person is, where you can find them, what their pain points are, the right solution. And then you've got to be able to articulate that to them to where they're like, yeah, that's what I need and I'll give it to you. But then once you get past that first person, you've got to be able to replicate that. So to your point, the second and third and fifth are kind of doing that. And then beyond that, it's like, okay, well, now I've got five people. How do I get 10? And then when you have 10, how do I get 20? And what that forces you to do is to continuously confirm that you can find those people. Because where a lot of people struggle is they might get their first one, three, five, or 10 customers, but then they kind of get stuck and they're like, well, I don't know how to find more people beyond this. So there's like these incremental levels of validation. And what we really look for for most people is are you making 2500 a month or about 30000 a year? That's the first level of like you validated the model and now you're going to shift to really making more sales. So every business has a little bit of a different number, but that's a good guideline for most people. Awesome. Now I want to shift a little bit and talk about your kids. So your businesses came before your kids, business one and business two, right? Yep. Business two came about eight months after our daughter was born. Okay. So how did having kids change the way you approached business? Oh, it basically turned it upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny. My wife and I, like if we have a night where the kids or their grandparents or something, we look back and we're like, we had so much time before. What did we do (laughs) with it all? Um, because like when we had our daughter, we were opening our second business. Uh, I was still working a full-time job. And then you go from really being able to dictate your schedule to now your kids are dictating your schedule. So one of the biggest things that we did while we were going through that was 
my wife and I made sure we communicated. And without doing that, you know, I think everything would have fallen apart because it's so easy when you're sleep deprived and when your kids need everything, you don't have that time anymore to start blaming each other. And so we would have like, we set these, um, this communication cadence up for both our life and our business to where every day we do a daily sync. And it's just 15 minutes to basically say, you know, what did we get done yesterday? What do we got to focus on today? And where do we need help? And so by doing that, we were able to help each other and kind of get a gauge for where we were at. And then every week we would kind of reflect on how did this week go? What went well? What didn't go well? And then what are we going to do next week to make it better? And so we started putting these different meetings in place, both for our personal life and for our business. And it made not only managing the, the businesses easier, but it also made us saying, you know, what's important to us? You know, our relationship, our relationship with our kids. So let's actually put those first and then we'll fit the business into all the remaining time. Mm, I love that. It's like a, a family meeting. Mm-hmm. At this stage, it's just you and your wife or are your kids involved in that process? Uh, right now, it's just my wife and I, but they're very curious. So they start like they see a lot of what we do and you can see them starting to like mimic or want to be involved in that. So probably pretty soon. How old are they again? Yeah. So our daughter's six and our son is three. Okay. And I've got similar aged kiddos, so I know how that goes. So how are they picking up on this exposure to entrepreneurship? Do they know like what you guys do for a living and, and how are you seeing entrepreneurship reflected and how they're living every day? Yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, and, and any parent knows this, your kids pick up on so much more than you realize. So we actually brought our daughter onto our podcast about six months ago, and we asked her a bunch of these questions. And, you know, she is increasingly more and more understanding what we do and how it's different. You know, there's been times where she'll have something going on at school and we'll both be able to be there. And other kids, neither of their parents can come because they're working. And, you know, she'll ask us questions. And I think now she's really starting to realize that like we live differently than a lot of people. And she's always coming up with ideas now. Like, so she had this thing where she wanted to quit sucking her thumb. So she saw this other girl kind of do this two week challenge. So she did it and she made a chart with stickers. And at the end of two weeks, she stopped sucking her thumb and I thought that would be it. And she's like, no, daddy, I want to do it for a hundred days. So she made a chart with a hundred days and every day she tracked with a sticker that she would get it done. And at the end of a hundred days, I'm like, okay, well this is done. And she's like, no daddy, I want to help other people. So I want to, she went to every kid in her class and said, you know, what's one bad habit you want to break? And then she gave them a chart and showed them how to break it. And so she then combined that with all these YouTube videos she likes to watch and says, well, daddy, we can make videos and show other kids how to do this and then make money from it. So like the amount of connection she's making with this is crazy. (laughs) That's and, And the power of YouTube with our kids. Like, that's another thing. I feel like I was resistant to YouTube for a while, but as long as they're watching the right things, it can be really beneficial. I love how she connected, like how she took that thumb sucking. And of course, challenges being in the online space are such a online entrepreneurial thing, but then expanded it beyond thumb sucking to just any bad habit. Yeah. And that's where like, you know, when like for a while we were managing all of our projects with sticky notes on the wall. 
So a lot of people use Trello. So we had like the real life version of Trello on our wall because that was a lot of what I did with corporate clients. And so we came downstairs one day and she had made her own like scrum board on the wall with post-it notes and she was like modeling us. So, I mean, she's six and she's doing all of this. So I can't wait to like get her more into this and get her first product out there and then see where it goes from there. And then was it your son who paid you for shoveling the driveway? Yeah, actually both kids. <laughs> okay, I thought on that's the post that I saw on your Facebook page not too long ago. Yeah, so um, you know, we've been teaching them about money and about, you know, responsibility and uh there was one morning where we hadn't had the uh we hadn't had a plow contract signed up yet. So we had a bunch of snow and I went out and shoveled the driveway and I came back in and both kids were waiting by the door and they both gave me money and I'm like what are you guys doing? And they're like, daddy, you did a good deed. Nobody asked you to shovel the driveway, but you went out and did it because you knew it would help other people. And like at that moment, like my heart just melted. I was like, oh my gosh, look at what these kids are picking up and you know what they're doing without even being prompted. And is that something that you do for them? Like, do they get an allowance? And is that how that allowance is regulated? Yeah. So basically there's certain tasks that they have that they're required to do in the house. And then if they do extra things without us asking, you know, usually we'll surprise them with that. And uh, so it's a lot of modeling of what we do for them. But then, uh, you know, we've, we've given them a lot of responsibility. So if they want to buy something, they have to take that money to the store. They have to be able to count it out. So yeah, it's a lot of what we're doing to them. And then what's cool is like our, we see our daughter now helping our son learn that as well. He's only three. So it's just so cool to be able to see what they pick up on. And it's also scary to realize how much they pick up on. <laughs> <laughs> We've implemented an allowance this year, but we haven't done the like that little add-on. And I love that. I feel like that's something I'm definitely going to suggest that we consider for adding on just going out of your way to be kind and to serve people without being asked. I think that's the right message to send. Yeah. And, and, you know, we try to do the same thing with, you know, with possessions we have. So every year we like, especially around, um, you know, we're recording this before Christmas, always being able to say, you know, like, what can we do to help other people, people that don't have as much. So they're now in the habit of coming out and saying, you know, daddy, I really like this toy, but I think another kid would like it as well. So can we give it to them? That's so cute. So I, I've really enjoyed hearing about all the different income streams and all of the moving parts. I'd love to know, given all of the experiences that you've had from corporate to entrepreneurship, what would you say would be your number one piece of advice for an entrepreneur who is trying to figure out how to build their business and balance family? Absolutely. So the first step and and the biggest thing most people miss is that it starts before you even think about your business. And it starts with your life and figuring out what you want. So you mentioned earlier, our our podcast and our upcoming book is called Lifestyle Builders. Mm -hmm. And the tagline for that is your life, your business, your way. And when most people come and start working with us, they're kind of surprised that we don't even take them through any of the business stuff at the beginning. What we do is help them focus on what do they want their family to look like? You know, what are their core values? What is their family culture? Like what makes their family unique? And then thinking about their vision and what do they want for the future? You know, and we found that it comes down to four areas, what things you want, what experiences you want, what relationships you want, and then what kind of impact you want to have. So that's kind of like the big picture of thinking about what do you want things to look like? And then it's breaking it down to say, where am I at today? And let me build a roadmap to get there. 
So if you can then figure out, let's say every 90 days or for the next couple of years, what steps you're going to take to make your vision a reality. Now you can build a business that supports that. Because what we find a lot of people do is they start a business without understanding what they want that business to do for them in their personal life. And then their business ends up taking it over. So by starting with a very clear focus on what you want out of life, you can then say, I need to build this size of business and I don't want to work more than this many hours. So I've got to figure out how to fit things into there. And then always planning your life first. So when we sit down like, and we do that weekly meeting, the first thing we do is we map out on our calendar all of our personal life. And then we make the business fit in and support that. And that's what I think a lot of people don't do. They try to start the business and then balance the two rather than saying, let me build the business to support the life. So do you ever or frequently have people who come in with their business and then through just those initial steps, realize that that business isn't what they really needed and kind of start fresh? Absolutely. Um, Actually, I just got off a coaching call before this podcast with a client who just had that. Um, She went through her first week where she was going through some of this stuff. And she's like, I have this big aha moment. You know, um, she had a big aha moment that the business she has now isn't ultimately what she wants to be doing. And then also what's holding her back isn't fear, but real thinking she doesn't have enough time. So part of what we also do too is help people figure out where their time spent now and then where it should be to build that business. So most people kind of overlook this stuff because it doesn't seem like, you know, that fun. But ultimately, this is the stuff that helps you build the foundation for your business. Yeah, I was, it sounds just like like foundational building blocks to success. So with that client who now has seen that, I mean, I don't know at what stage she is in that business, but she can pretty much stop where she is now and make the adjustments so that she doesn't waste. I mean, I can only imagine how long it would take somebody to figure that out on their own. It could be years. Absolutely. And that's exactly what she said, you know, because she had a business where she was making a decent amount of money. Um, But as we started diving into this, she realized it wasn't what she wanted to do. And through a little bit of this reflecting and thinking, she now realized what she wanted to do. And what we'll do is we'll keep her current business going to bring in money, but then we'll start validating this new business model. And as she starts making sales there, we'll shift that around so that ultimately she's spending more time doing the business she wants. And with her, for example, um, one of her hobbies is they rescue horses that are done with racing, but um, you know, no longer have a place to go. So we're now building her business in support of that hobby she has so that it's not the business versus her life. It's the business in support of letting her do more of that hobby. Hmm, that seems like a, that's like a mindset shift that we, we need to really wrap our wrap our heads around the book that's coming out. It's coming out in 2019, right? Mm -hmm. And it's Lifestyle Builders. That's the name of the book. Yep. Is that what the book goes through? Is that process? Absolutely. So the book takes people through the process that we coach on. And at a high level, it's first, um, it's called plan with purpose. So figure out what you want your life to look like and figure out who you need to be to make that a reality. Because so much of entrepreneurship is less about the strategy and tactics and more about who you are and who you need to be to be successful. Then it goes into find your freedom, which is all about figuring out your personal finances and getting a good financial position before you start a business. Because if you have poor financial habits in your personal life, that's going to carry over to business. Then it walks you through figuring out the right type of business for you and validating that business model. 
Then it goes through set up your systems so that you have all the pieces of your business in place so that as it grows, it doesn't continuously take more time from you, but it actually helps you. Then we walk through quit your cubicle, which is all about that transition of quitting your job and not only how to do it, but how to make the mental shifts from I'm an employee to now I'm an entrepreneur and now I'm responsible and now I have to do time management and all of these things. And then it ultimately goes into like live your life. Now that you've been able to build this stuff up, make sure it's not all work, but you're incorporating the pieces of life into that. And then finally, we talk about stop your sabotage because most of us will self-sabotage along the way. So we just walk through different strategies and different common things that people run into and how to overcome that. And it sounds like it would be good for people, not only at the beginning of the journey, but people who are really at any stage just to audit or reevaluate where they're at and where they want to go. Absolutely. And that's such a great point because what we find is that even entrepreneurs that are further along, if they're struggling, typically there's pieces from earlier on that they can look at, which will help with that. Um, And just to show kind of like how we live this, this past summer, we actually implemented something called Friday Family Field Trips. And so even though there's bigger goals and stuff that we want to achieve business-wise, we decided that every Friday we would do um, these day-long trips with our kids. So we would go to the museum, we would go to the amusement park, we would go to nature centers. And what we were doing was building in pieces of our ideal life while we're still building our businesses out. So what we try to do with the book is show people that it's not like all business. It's take pieces of those and at every phase of that journey, you can implement those things so that you're living your life while you're building your business. And can you tell us, I know you've got a pre, it's not a pre, is it a pre-sale or it's just an interest sign up? Uh, so right now it's a, it's right now it's a sign up, but ultimately what we're going to do is we'll have a pre-sale with it. Um, and we're going to be giving away a lot of cool bonuses and sneak peeks to help people really get started with this. So where can people find that? Absolutely. So they can go to tomandariana.com slash book. Awesome. And we'll obviously put that in the show notes. And then could you just tell us where our listeners can learn more about you and Ariana and lifestyle builders? Where's the best place for people to go? Yeah, so we're on most social media platforms, but the best place is TomAndAriana.com. That's kind of our home base for our podcast, uh, which is by the same name, um, our courses, and then um, really everything else that we have going on. Well, I can't wait to get my hands on the book because even though I've been out of the corporate world for about two years now, I know that that transition, nothing prepares you for it. Nothing. Yeah, and most people and most people undervalue it. You know, they don't realize when you're when you're around people all the time and now let's say you're working at home, it gets lonely. Like there's all these things that come up that you never anticipate and that you've never really been you've never figured out how to deal with until it comes up. And not having like you said, not having those people that even cubicle mates that you can turn to and bounce ideas off of. Online communities are great, but it's a different it's different. Yeah. Well, and that's where like one of the things we've incorporated into a lot of our coaching and a lot of our programs has been that community aspect. So um, we started out really doing just coaching. And then where we built Lifestyle Builders out was to have newer entrepreneurs not only have the business training, but that community because we saw it ourselves how important it was to be surrounded by other like-minded people because it is such a challenge being an entrepreneur and making that transition when most of the people in your life just don't understand. 
Well, Tom, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share a ton of great insight with us. I can't wait to check out the book and I'll put all the links and everything in the show notes. So thank you so much. All right, thank you so much and keep doing the mission. I mean, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs with families and we know how challenging it is because there's not a lot of information out there for people like us. So I love the fact that you have the podcast and that you bring on all these amazing guests. Thank you. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash 82. I want to thank you again for spending some time with me today. I look forward to our family reflections on Friday, Marketing Monday, and seeing you back here next Wednesday for an extra special, they're all special, but this one's super exciting for me, episode of our midweek mastermind. So we've been alternating between adult entrepreneurs and kidpreneurs. Next week, we have a kidpreneur. He is an actor on one of my favorite Netflix TV shows, but he also has a hidden talent, a side hustle, if you will, at 16, and he is going to tell us a little bit about what balance looks like for him. Who is it? Guess you better tune in to find out. See you next week. Bye. Did you know that my mom has a Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, and more? Her username is The Meg Brunson. Just about everywhere. You should go follow her.